3: Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora.
4: This is Sugar Steve, and on this week's Questlove Supreme Classic, musician, songwriter, and producer Jack White talks about how music kept him from the priesthood, his love of analog recording technology, and the Amy Winehouse duet that never was. Originally released May 9th, 2018. Suprema, su
5: sup Suprema roll call Suprema, su sup Suprema roll call Suprema, sup Suprema roll call Suprema, su, su sup suprema,
3: suprema, su, su, suprema, suprema, su, su, suprema roll call Jack's critique of hip-hop culture Yeah All good, fine Yeah But it's disdain for bananas Yeah That's where I draw the line Roll call <laughs> Suprema,
5: sup, sup Suprema roll call Suprema, sup sup, Suprema, roll call. Fante's in the building.
6: Yeah. yeah, time to settle the score. Yeah, in this room filled.
5: Yeah, with Rack Roll call, <laughs> Suprema, sup sup, <laughs> su, su, <laughs> Suprema, roll call. You recognize that word
6: a lot. Suprema, sup sup, Suprema,
5: roll call.
4: My name is Sugar. Yeah, the one you trust. Yeah, till I bust out. Yeah, my blunderbuss. <laughs> roll
5: call, <laughs> Suprema, su, su, Suprema. Roll call, Suprema, su, su, Suprema. Roll call. I'm
1: unpaid bill. Yeah, that's how I'm known. Yeah, happy I'm not. Yeah, Michael Cohen. Roll
5: call, <laughs> Suprema, <laughs> Suprema, right? su, su, Suprema. Roll call, Suprema, Sup su, Suprema. Roll call. Next up is Boss Bill. Yeah, ain't no debating. Yeah. yeah. Y'all fools need Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Get behind me, Satan. Roll call. <laughs> suprema. Sup. Sup. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Sup. Sup. Suprema. Roll call.
0: It's Laia.
5: Yeah.
0: And Jack White. Yeah. Ooh. You're looking kind of good. Yeah. Want another white? <laughs>
7: roll call. <laughs> suprema. Sup. Suprema. Su, su, <laughs> Suprema roll call. <laughs> Suprema, su- su- <laughs> Suprema roll call. My name is Jack. Yeah. I don't smoke crack. Yeah. And if you're nice to me. Yeah. I might come back. <laughs>
8: roll call, <laughs> Suprema,
5: sup, su- <laughs> Suprema roll call. Suprema, sup, <laughs> sup. Su- su- Suprema roll call. Suprema, sup, Suprema roll call. Suprema. Sup, sup, supremo road call. Oh. Yo, Ma'i, nice. Ma'i, <laughs> you switched <up> the flow.
0: That <laughs> was last Shoot minute.
5: Were you, were you
3: were <laughs> you, oh, you listening I, to Cardi B this week or I mean, a little something
0: of that, you know, and then sit beside Jack. That was a little inspirational, so you. Switched you switched up the flow. Just a little, you know.
3: Wow, whew. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> nice, nice. Wow. <laughs> uh uh taping from the uh, world famous electric lady a studios in new york city <sighs> mm-hmm. um i gotta say that this is the most people i've ever seen in this room it's like the higher caliber, the guest, the most, uh, the more. <laughs> more lighting. Body, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> more lighting. It's more like, yeah. glam more shots. and <laughs> <in. laughs> More vibes. Well, like, I'm glad I could make it we do the today, Richard yeah. Dimple Fields episode, like, will yeah. uh, we we'll get the flashlights? And yeah, yeah. Some Cheetos. Be taking it with eyeballs. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is another episode of Quest Love Supreme. Uh, we got Fontigolo in the house. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah, support, no news is good news. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I always wanted Gary Gnu that and not. Uh, you're you're Gary past Ganoe. the Great Space Coaster, are you? Yeah, I missed I missed that whole reference.
0: Gary Gnu was a get along gang.
3: Mm-hmm. Really? Okay, I remember get along
6: gang.
0: That's Gary Ganoo. Get along Gary No,
5: gang. that was all a Ganoe Great Ganoe Space Coast.
3: Good news with Gary Gnu Thank that's, you. Get along gang. not know what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we got Boss Bill in the House. Hello, I'm,
5: I'm welcome back, back. back. Welcome back boss Are you are you fine? <laughs> uh, it's not a tumor. That's all I know. That's that's great guy. That's great.
3: Baby got the stitches.
5: That uh, was a reference uh, from the movie Boom, uh, *Boomerang*. Yeah, don't yeah. <laughs> no explain it. Just ask your kids,
3: the parents, ask your kids. Uh, I'm Pey Bill. How you doing, bro? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, and 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 it's like you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every, everything's great. Everything is gravy. I'm I'm in proud. Um, I'm proud of your uh, your your new flow.
0: Thank you. I won't say anything for the rest of the I say show. I'll leave it there.
3: I say the you best beat. for last. Uh, Sugar Steve, <laughs> the host of Sugar. *Sugar Star*. Cha 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 cha. You know. For some reason, yeah, we we yeah, were taking this as a joke, and now, like, I feel global. I feel genuinely threatened that you've managed to turn uh, an IG chatting <laughs> uh, device into an actual network. Oh yeah,
6: yeah it's the sugar network, nah, baby. He <laughs> done finessed it up. He done rolled up to a. network. So you're nah. like Ted Turner, the of, of <laughs> well, Instagram. I mean,
4: you've heard of own? Give, give our different. guests some context. You know, I have a spinoff of this show. Damn, he's <laughs> just. <laughs> he's just <laughs> Explain it to Jack. Oh No, no, it, this is good, uh, uh, it's, ahead, a, it's an unauthorized spinoff. Okay. But it's a spinoff nonetheless. It's called Chatting with Sugar. <laughs>
5: Basically, Steve, listen to the
3: things that you collect. Okay. Like Vintage mics, old records. Oh, nice. You know, vintage. Yeah, so. Weed. If, <laughs> <laughs> vintage you weed. weed and, vintage and, weed. Uh, yeah, man, I don't think weed.
5: Steve collects it. He just smokes
4: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> First,
3: right? collect. I collect the
4: resin in my. Right,
3: Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, I have to say. I don't want to say he's a Renaissance man. I don't say he's a, a a drummer, a singer, guitarist, piano player, producer, songwriter, label owner. Uh, the hell's from the D, uh, the city of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, he wears many hats in his lives. You know, member of the Rankin As as Fonte. said. So say. What, what, what? Say that again. The Rankin Tours, I mean, Rankin
5: Tours. Is no. it? Yeah. He said Rankin Tours. I'm sorry. No, he did. Oh
3: yeah. <laughs> I thought okay. he said Rank No. I thought he, he got it right. Okay, well, I thought he got it wrong, and I was, anyway, the record tours, uh, the dead right. Weather, sorry, right. uh, you know, he's produced and guested and appeared on a lot of projects that we love from uh, Loretta Lynn's Van of Rose," one of my favorite records, uh, legendary Wanda Jackson, done work with Alicia Keys, Beyonce, Tropical Quest, Nas, Elton John of Rolling Stones, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Muppets. But it's and the Muppets, yeah. But it's uh, as one half of that's the unit. The,
5: that's the one I'm the envious, most envious. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm jealous too. Uh, but as uh, one half of the unit known as the White Stripes, uh, that one made once made uh, my hero John Peel once declare that this is some of the best music he's ever heard since the days of James Marshall Hendrix. Mm. Uh, not to mention uh, the, the massive critical acclaim he's gotten. Uh, 12 Grammys, as a producer, as an engineer, songwriter, and I'm jealous as a package designer. Ah, That's I'm, a good one. I'm highly jealous of, of his package designing uh, uh, Grammys. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I can go on and on. His uh, third solo record entitled Boarding House Reach uh, was released March of 2018. It's his third number one record. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the eccentric, eclectic, always entertaining, Damn, I'm good. All (laughs) the (laughs) 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 Uh, E-words. You sold (laughs) me.
5: Thank you. Thank you for that
7: introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I got to get this out there. What's up with you and bananas? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um a lot of you know when you make those writers you make a lot of jokes that only people in the industry will understand you know that a lot of fans would understand and that was one of those sort of red m&m <laughs> uh, <laughs> things that, so um, did
3: you do that thinking that uh what was what was the website that used to always put all celebrity writers oh, all the smoking writer? gun mm-hmm. oh, did yeah. you do that thinking that the smoking gun would pick it up they no, we just did it for people. Wants.
7: We people in the industry think it was funny. You know, um, uh, okay. all all the stuff on there was you know to, for people to think it was funny. But uh, you know, I think it's one of those mysterious things that people out there think writers are sort of like uh, you know. Snap your fingers, and you know, right. Diamond encrusted staircases will be made for you, or something. But so you know, the artist pays for them themselves. You know, so
5: well. Didn't somebody say that they put the crazy stuff on the writer to make sure that the people were paying attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone did, said yeah. that it was yeah. Axel Van, Rose, Hale- Van, Van Halen or something. Yeah, yeah Van Halen. Yeah. They like
6: the whole just blue M and M's. They yeah, want to see is. how uh, how much attention you pay to detail. Right. Mm. In my
3: case, they never pay attention to our writers. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Whole
0: Foods, get like we still
3: have like a white white Al Bluntson. Oh, sorry. Wow, <laughs> it's like the, the 1994 Wu Tang Rider. <laughs> no, we we haven't changed our joint yet. Hopefully, there's less PCP on it. Yeah, yeah, way, way less PCP. And the Wu Tang Rider. I get it. Um, so yeah, we we thank you for coming to the show. I, I got me. so many questions to ask. Um, so let's hope I get this right. <laughs> were you born in detroit
7: michigan yes yes all right. <laughs> it's like, i think it's like the first one all right? the great man
4: from
3: detroit
7: yeah I, I, it's, uh it's few it's it, there's more in the hip-hop world like jay dilla and stuff but there's there's few in the rock and roll world since maybe the 60s actually born in raised in the city itself most are from the so separate. everyone's from the outside where's madonna from she's uh, from she, rochester because on our ig she trying to front like she She's did live in Hamtramck, east. I think, for a little while, which is inside the city of Detroit. It's a Polish neighborhood inside the city of Detroit. So she, she does have some of that uh, street, real street credit in that sense. But. What, are the,
3: what are the actual sections of Detroit? Because the black people that talk to me just say is the east side and the west side. Yeah. And then there's like... Uh, ah,
7: damn, what's the... Um, I'm from southwest, southwest Detroit, point. which is sort of also called Mexican towns, an all-Mexican neighborhood, but it was once an all-Polish neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. But... Uh, there is no, you know, that the, the Journey song "Born and Raised in South Detroit." Mm-hmm. That's kind of a joke in Detroit because there is no South Detroit. The South Detroit is Windsor, Canada. Canada oh, wow. comes underneath Detroit. So. Okay, so uh, we we knew Journey had never actually been. <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sounded good though. So what is what is your version of Detroit? Because I guess you're mm-hmm. the, yeah, I guess you're the first white musician that I know that that I personally know. Mm-hmm. And i, I have not asked, but I'm about to see Bob, like we boys. <laughs> yeah, <bro>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, but you know, I, I never knew his story. So, like, mm-hmm. what's your what's your version of growing up in Detroit? Like,
7: well, it was sort of like a it's sort of like a wasteland, really. It was you know a lot of burned down buildings, abandoned houses, empty lots, closed up businesses, you know, storefront churches that kind of a thing i mean the the neighborhood really didn't have a didn't have a bookstore didn't have a record store Mm -hmm. nothing you know that you could really (laughs) like when we needed guitar strings we went to the pawn shop and got guitar strings and drumsticks that was the only option in in, where i lived no music store no no nothing we had to to get a drive from somebody out to the suburbs to get anything useful (laughs) So it was kind of like that, and um, yeah, scary at times, but uh, rough, but um, also feeling like no hope. But what's great about it in the last couple of years, everything is finally, after 40 years of that, finally has changed, and it's really coming around to a, a whole new renaissance. Really, it's it's just incredibly beautiful what's happening. Things are just coming alive. Buildings are being bought and changed, and. I always think a good sign of a city on the rise is a new restaurant popping up every month. That's always that's always a good sort of template. Um, so and it's not that's this whole
3: happening. sepia tone, great. Because whenever I mm. think of Detroit, I still see brown, sepia tone, yeah, muddy existence.
7: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of that's still there. Yeah, for sure. And um, but I think it's finally. I think in ten years from now, it, all of that's going to be gone. You know, I I really I, I I would put money on that now because the last two or three years. It's just been incredible because it started in the Cass Corridor uh, and which is traditionally the roughest neighborhood in, 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 in the city. And that's where I went to high school. And that's where uh, we we built, we built a new Third Man Records location there. Our new pressing plant is in the Cass Corridor and Masonic Temple, all the early garage rock shows I was a part of. We're all in that neighborhood. And it's mostly uh, empty lots and, you know, like homeless missions and, and uh, you know some industrial buildings. So now that for it to come out of that neighborhood, for that Renaissance to start there is a really good sign. You know?
0: So you go back a lot, and you give you give back in your own way because you said you have your studio there, right?
7: Yeah, trying the pre- the pressing plant especially was. Oh, the uh, pressing plant. Wow. Yeah, that wow. was that was a, a really I'm really proud of that because it's, it, it also created jobs and it also brought together a whole community of people who really love music and vinyl and you know music preservation and all that. So. That was pretty pretty incredible. But to be able to do that in Detroit City, you know.
3: So the part that I know, like where I don't know if Saint Andrews is still a thing or or not. Mm. But what part of town is that? Like, there's Greek Town. There's that monorail thing, or yeah. What part of town is that?
7: What part of town is the
3: like where Saint Andrews Hall? Oh, and Saint Andrews. Yeah, that's is that down, downtown. That's downtown or? Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. See. So without uh, the neighborhood record store. Assuming that you're born in the 70s and Mm -hmm. having that experience, like, how did you discover music if it wasn't a thing where, like, you could hear your favorite song on the radio? Right. And, copper record it
7: was a couple different ways one I I have I'm the youngest of 10 kids so a lot of a lot of you like it? you're a real blues musician (laughs) (laughs) I'm the 7th son in the family too so it gets gets even heavier oh no (laughs) 7th son of a 7th daughter my mom's the youngest of 10 children as well and then, so there's a lot of music, Ooh. a lot of hand-me-down records. You know. family, a, reunion. Are the family, family reunion. What's a family Gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> and these are, are you all even...
0: your mother's children. I'm sorry not to yes. be in her business. Yeah. But, one
7: one family. Uh, wow. one, one, one pair of parents. But uh, yeah. So a lot of a lot of music coming from them. Uh, a, a bunch of musicians in the family. You know, they were they had a lot a huge record collection. A lot of that got handed down to me. For that sort of like the rock and roll side of things, and the the '40s music from my parents, the the Nat King Cole's and the Glenn Miller stuff, all that all from them. And then out on uh, you know outside, uh, like on the street, it was the uh, the neighborhood kids. It was just like I, I I I think the easiest way to describe it when we were playing Four Square, it was setting up boom boxes next to the Four Square court, and that was the music being played. You know, this is you know '83 80, through '86 kind of era of the, the, those days of hip-hop on that side of things, mm-hmm. which my brothers didn't listen to, so it was two sides of the coin, you know?
6: Okay. What kind of hip-hop were you listening to at that time?
7: Well, at that time would have been, you know, it would have been LL Cool J's, I'm Bad, and, uh, you know, it, but it, it it would have, uh, and a lot of the, you know, sort of the one-hit wonder stuff that was coming through. I think that was a lot of things, was, you know, mixtapes where it's just whatever radio, you know, but you, know you, you guys remember that, obviously, the, Recording from the radio, and you missed the first five seconds of the song. those were the those were the mixtapes we listened to during four square, I guess. But oh. okay, so
3: uh, as far as uh, your. You said your uh, uh, your other siblings. Mm-hmm. How many of them are accomplished musicians as well, or is it just like they were
1: four or
7: five of them? Some of them are really talented. Don't care about it though, uh, and some of them are still playing in gigs today. Um, you know, in different kinds of bands in Detroit, and uh, a couple of them work uh, at Third Man Records, work at the Pressing Plant, and okay. and uh, so it was cool. I was the drummer growing up in the family, so I, all all I did was play drums my whole childhood. I didn't touch a guitar till I was fourteen, something like that.
3: So, does it become somewhat alienating uh once you have your uh bout with success and mm. you know the massive success that you've had um are you, able, are you able are you able are you able to maintain that closeness with your family members now or is it like some of them are you're cool with. Some it's a little awkward now. Like yeah,
7: I think I think I think it goes through phases. Of probably with everybody, in, in I mean that, that goes for friends too. Where you know something happens to you. I mean, what happened to us, especially in Detroit, where there's just nobody has that kind of hope. Like maybe in L. A. or something, where you'd have like, oh yeah, you know somebody works at a record label. Well, yeah, you know we'll get you guys a gig or whatever. Detroit never had any illusions about you could get anywhere, especially with rock and roll or, or blues music either. And so. For us to go sort of very, you know, sort of worldwide after a few years, it, it's very shocking to anybody around us, especially the family, not really knowing how to relate to what does that mean, you know? What does that mean? So,
3: even at the time when you guys were first starting out um, with your music, mm-hmm. like there wasn't a thing like, well, eventually, let's, let's. Pony up enough cash, and then we'll go to, you know, a music city, either Nashville or L.A.
7: or Never. I never heard anybody talk about that at all. I never heard anybody even mention the dream of that. It was always just like, forget it. So never going to happen. You're just going to be a local musician and... That was a few that was the, that was the way I I honest to God had that exact same attitude until probably the third White Stripes album, uh, <laughs> yeah. where we started to go to when we got going to London. John Peel started championing us, and and labels started talking to us, and Meg and I were just like, "Wait, what? Wait, so you were still moving furniture on the
3: days like the oh, first yeah. two records? Oh yeah, what? I had my
7: upholstery shop up until at least the second White Stripes album. Yeah, so." <laughs> But, but that sounds ten, like I've
3: heard ten, you yeah, say, to that, say. Yeah. Ten kids, uh, a few jobs. Yeah,
0: okay. Just for information, Detroit. How, what's the age difference between you and your oldest brother?
7: Oh, oh you said the seventh oh. son? And my of bro- the, yeah. There we go. Yeah, the oldest in the family is 21 years older than me. So okay. they they were often mistaken for my mom, yeah. <laughs> Damn. As a baby. I see. I, I read once
3: where you said you were uh, considering uh, going in the priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. Was that... Serious consideration. Yeah,
7: it was wild because I uh, I got accepted to a seminary in Wisconsin and um, just sort of trying to, you know, your brain starts to want to get out of everything. I want to get out of this room. I want to get out of this house. I want to get out of this neighborhood. I want to get out. Out. And that was one way I thought that I could get out. And, but, but the 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 crux of the problem was I couldn't bring my musical equipment with me. You couldn't bring drums and guitar or whatever with me to this place. It was a dorm, and you had a, you know you're training to be a priest. I also felt there was some kind of calling for me in some way. I didn't really know what it was because you know I'm 13 or something. So, so at the last second I changed my mind and went to public school in Detroit, which was a, a strange thing for my family because it's a Catholic family to go to go to public school. But the public school I went to was in downtown Detroit in the Cass Corridor just, you know, right off the outskirts of downtown. So it, um, the, the neighborhood school I I had in, 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 uh, Southwestern Chart was kind of full of a lot of gangs at the time. They had really exploded at that time. So it was sort of dangerous to go to the neighborhood school if you weren't part of one of these gangs. So it seemed like for, you know, several, six, seven different reasons, it led me to this school cast tech, which ended up being, uh, as I got there, I realized it was a, a, a very historically Detroit uh, school, I mean, Diana Ross went there, um, uh, Harry Bertoia, the famous furniture designer, went there, John DeLorean, There's this huge, huge list of people who that was the school to go to for, you know, 60, 70 years, which I didn't know about till I got in there, so. <laughs>
3: What did you establish? Uh, first of all, a lot of your businesses uh, start with the word third. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Third furniture or yeah, upholstery? third man
7: upholstery and third man records.
3: So, what is it with the significance of number the third I number? St- I
7: started all, all, all anything creative I did poetry lyrics music versus notes in the song I would just start revolving around the number three a lot. I got obsessed with that number as about fifteen sixteen. It was, we were working on a couch, and it was three staples I'd put down, and it was the minimum amount to hold a piece of fabric on a side of wood, you know, mm-hmm. left, right, center. And I thought, well, that's great. That's not, that doesn't leave everything black and white, so there's two choices, you know, Republican, Democrat, black and white, is that there's a third option, which sort of means everything. And I thought, that's a great balance for anything I do artistically. So I've been holding on to that for dear life ever since, you know, to sort of ground me whenever I'm working on anything. That's dope. Damn! So electric relaxation must have
3: blown you away. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, <I'm playing laughs> in threes. Uh, so how did you? Uh, how did you meet
7: uh, Meg? We uh, uh, it was the same plastic surgeon down in Argentina. Say, <laughs> I, <laughs> and, um, just we looked so much alike. We had to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh,
0: does that mean that you're always? You've always because we jumped to me but I was just curious like you always who are you are like when you went to high school you are the same person mm. that you were in high school yeah wow that's I, cool i mean
7: the same height and everything no i just mean <laughs> yeah. identity wise
0: like you rec- you know what i mean some people change they evolve they you
7: know. yeah i'm just um, i'm just i think i'm just in a constant state of confusion <laughs> <laughs> it look yeah, like welcome it. to adulthood yeah <laughs> right, right. it looks very focused
3: <laughs> well actually i did skip me good um what were your early band experiences like mm.
7: uh you. It was drumming. I drummed with my brothers in their band Catalyst, and then I drummed in a like three-piece uh, blues band with my brother and Dominic, who plays bass with me now. Still, mm-hmm. we had a band called the Fuck Ups and that was sort of was <laughs> punk and blues mixed together, kind of in a in a very teenagey way. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm sorry if I wasn't. That's the greatest.
3: You totally were allowed.
7: Okay, and then uh, greatest we, name ever. Yeah, we were we um. So Dominic, he he still plays bass with me now on this tour right now. We we've been playing together since we we're 13 or so, and um. Then I was a drummer in this sort of cowpunk band. I, I wanted to sort of learn about uh, reading music for drums. So I, I thought I'd join them, maybe the marching band, to learn how to read music for drums. And I, it didn't work out. I, I lasted one day in the marching band, and they were just like, <laughs> get out of here. Really? Well, it was sort of like three hours a day practice every day, then an hour-long bus ride home. So I wouldn't be getting home to like 8.30 every day, and then just two hours Too over, much you know, discipline. Home, oh, this just... It's just yeah, you know, I love the drums but it would seem like it was almost like joining the ROTC or something for me. <laughs> That's and, what band is. You know, yeah. Yeah. When did so, you get your first drum set? Um well when I was 5 we had one in the attic so that was that was the one I played all through till high school. What kind was it? It was a Ludwig Black Ludwig set in the 70s some Pisces. uh Oh shit. Yeah 505 so it was uh it sounded great it was really cool. My brothers had some pretty cool equipment. They they sort of were good friends with the pawn shop. A couple blocks away, and they got the they got the stuff behind the desk kind of treatment. You know,
6: did you ever use any of that stuff on any of your records?
7: Yeah, um, the, and then the drums that I had in uh, uh, high school was a set of White Pearls, which became Meg's drum set in the White Stripes. And then um, yeah, all that stuff I bought as a teenager was the White Stripes equipment for the first first few few years. Yeah.
3: So your love for, or at least what we perceive as your love for vintage equipment mm-hmm. and that isn't you coming to a place where you're sort of going to, uh i can't explain it how like uh this 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 is more a necessity of mm-hmm. you collecting secondhand equipment and yeah. vintage stuff right. more than usually like a musician's a mission try statement. to like yeah. mm-hmm. not dumb down but like less than, like a cat like me that has asked axe I'm so black right now. <laughs> I mean, Access. I mean,
8: so black. You're black, you're black. <laughs> no,
3: but I'm just saying that um, because of, of the texture and the sound that old older equipment gives, mm-hmm. which is why I gravitate to it, but if that's all you were working with, mm-hmm. I assume that even now to, to the relentless level that you collect vintage things mm. is more of you – Staying in your comfort zone,
7: yeah. There's, they're there definitely you, you. You're brought up in that sort of c- circumstance. I know some people, like I think, uh, you know, danger Mouse still uses a, his first computer program he learned on. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, I don't know if it's what's it called, Acid. Or something acid. Like that. Acid. Yeah. God, yeah. he
5: uses wow. Acid too.
7: I think so. Yeah. And. Um, Yo, (laughs) but he told me he told me it's not worth the time to relearn it all on a new thing you might as well just stick with what he started with and that might have something to do with it too uh learning on tape by myself because nobody taught me how to do it really i had to really just sort of sit and learn how to do a four track reel to reel with a mixer myself um so that maybe kind of gets you in love with the mechanical nature of it but also as the years went on whenever i got a chance to a b it like we would record on a tape and then we would Bounce it to pro tools and I bounce them, listen to them back and forth. You know, I'd say, God, I guess I can't I can't help it, man. The, the the tape sounds more soulful. It has whatever it has that movement. It has that movement to it. It's like intangible. You can't really describe it. This movement that it has. All mechanical things have this movement that they add little wobbles and warbles to what's happening, and that, and that maybe kind of comes off as soul or soulfulness to the listener. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but um, it it just feels alive to me. Yeah. Um but yeah, well, that's gotta not got to plug you in know. for that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: well no but
3: see that's the thing I'm I'm hoping now a guy like me has to work with computer technology yeah. simply because uh the the small confined space that I'm in doesn't allow for of course yeah. you know the the you know this a lot of these things that you're using, is, yeah. you know, and it's
7: expensive. At, you know, so a lot, of don't, a lot of people don't have access to it. So younger kids. Do. So
3: I'm hoping that one day, like someone just invents,
1: you're going to put a reel-to-reel in that little room you practice in. I would pay money <laughs> to see that.
3: No, but I, I mean, I just want the plugins because I spend at least hours trying to uh, lower the quality of the sound of things that I record or make it sound to make it sound yeah. like it's beat up and used Ooh. or whatever.
1: Have you put plugins next to real, real jack and listen to them? Do you? do you,
7: Yeah. You well, you got you got that sort of. You Where's know, the I, I, I get into the, I, I get into being sort of the poster boy. Like I'm always preaching to, for people not to use this stuff. I'm really not. Yes, I, mean, I know. People are just asking me. I feel how guilty. do you do it? You know, how do you do it? And I say, well, this is how I do it. And it's sort of like, what amp do you like? If you listen to a tube amp and you mix it to next to a solid state amp, you say it's pretty good, but it's not like the tube amp. You know. I was going to say you also um, edit your own uh, tapes, correct? Yeah, we this album I just put out is the first time I ever edited on Pro Tools uh, a whole album. So that um uh, before that it was all just razor blade tape and razor blade edits. So it would keep it another kind of way to kind of confine things to keep it really simple. So they didn't get too complicated. But this album So was, it wasn't just to challenge yeah, yourself
3: as in like, okay, well I conquered that and let me try to force myself to do a, a, a new way of recording? It was
7: sort of out, out, out of necessity. I mean, there was a lot of modern techniques being used in the album, and that was, that was one of them. But it was definitely out of necessity for recording with bands here in New York and, and LA and in Nashville. I'd have you know, 18 to 20 tracks, which for me was a ton. I usually only record on eight track. So that was a lot of um, uh, stuff to try to get down. And the, the, only, the only way to possibly do it was to edit on Pro Tools. You know? okay. Did you lose my vocal? seemed like it went out of the headphones. I don't know. He's engineering right now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is all going to tape for
5: sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we should do this on the 5DL, this time. <laughs> We really should have recorded
1: this. It would sound fantastic.
5: Shit. Can you imagine how long it
7: would take to put the show out? <laughs>
4: really just, long time. Let's just lie and say we're recording it to tape. See if
3: anyone
7: okay. can figure yes, it out. Yes,
3: ladies and gentlemen, we're now on... Uh,
4: But, you know, what you were
7: talking about was that uh, they are doing plugins now with or imitating the warble of tape and that those little squiggles and that tiny little mechanical, you know, sort of flaws to the tape machine. And uh, making a plug-in and, and running it through that. I know a lot of people record on Pro Tools and run it through a tape machine mm-hmm. and back, which is kind of a cool technique as well. But at, the any, at any rate, any time, whether it's reverb or compression or that kind of program, every single one of them is an emulation of the real thing. Yeah. You know, digital reverb, for example. A reverb in a cave is real reverb. A reverb through a spring is real reverb. So the digital version of it, it can sound exactly like it. But it's still an emulation of the real thing, which is, I don't know, if you want to get that deep into the psychology of the soulfulness of See, things. Uh, I want you to convince you me know. because
3: I also know that you 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 deal with uh, Shinola, correct?
7: Yeah. You,
3: so, that? It, what is it? Shinola. Oh, it's, you what, don't know Shinola? That's I don't know for everybody Shinola. else that's listening. Yeah, Explain know. to us what it is. <laughs> No, you tell us. No, you tell, you tell us. You're you the it up. <laughs> All right, we're gonna start this fight right now. <laughs> Welcome back. Just somebody Welcome. tell yeah, me what it back. is. Good to be back.
7: <laughs> anyway, uh, Shinola uh, uh, turntables, um, and they make watches first, and then they're starting yeah. to make turntables and headphones now. We bought a building together in Corridor where the Third Man Records location is, and Shinola has their uh, flagship store, and they they opened a factory where they they make they. they make watches in the city of Detroit so it's pretty amazing what they did so
3: I'm just saying that I I know a lot of audiophiles that you know they have you know vintage turntables Mm -hmm. and I'm a dude that loves collecting records and stuff but I the one thing I feel guilty of is that I'm not the guy that like gets an orgasm Mm-hmm. Off of vinyl. Mm-hmm. Now, as a I deep- know a lot about you, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought- feel like I've learned so much more. I thought
0: you did. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that was your thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you and Steve yeah. together. Well, no, was I'm was just
3: saying it. that it's it's. I mean, for a guy that relentlessly collects records and all those things, like, um, I feel guilty that I'm not one of these. Like, I don't have Audiophile a file guy. Yeah, what's what, uh, what's the turntable be? in the the lobby right Macintosh. now? Like, Macintosh, like a Macintosh. Mm-hmm. Like, I've yet to get a Mac. Do you own a Macintosh?
7: Not a Macintosh turntable, but I do have the amplifiers, yeah. So the turntable's a little too expensive. Does
3: that but... truly
7: make a difference to you? Or. I think that the, what goes on, and to me, it, there's the MacGuffin of whether the format is eight track tapes or cassettes or vinyl. Uh, I think vinyl is just the most viable thing that everyone can kind of get a, get around to with the large artwork and the large object. Just trying to be reverential to music itself, like a movie theater and a 7 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. Going in there, closing the door, turning the lights off, the curtain opens, and we watch a film. We actually, in 2018, we all get off our ass and we drive to a theater mm-hmm. and sit down in silence, turn our phones off, mm-hmm. and in the dark watch a movie. That's incredible we're still doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want that same reverence for music. So the vinyl part... You know, if it's 8-track if it's or cassettes or whatever it is, I just like that it's something you something can hold tangible. in your hands. Something tangible, yeah. Yeah, and um, I also think that when it comes to the way, you know, I say we travel and stuff, I'm not, I'm not bringing a turntable backstage and setting it up. I'm listening on an iPod or, or we're listening in someone's phone going through Beats, Pill or something like that, doing whatever we can to Wait, make Wait, you have it, a phone now? I don't have a phone, no. <laughs> someone someone in the world was phone, coming yeah. to an end. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought you were on phone. So, you still don't own, a, own, own no cell phone? I like don't, that. know, But um, but the, but the All family, the family members, would you?
0: you? <laughs> I'm like, how did they reach I'm you?
8: Sorry.
7: <laughs> nah, that's real, though. That's hey, real as fuck. I do uh, mostly just emails is how I communicate. That, that way I can walk away from it. I can sit down and do it and walk sure, away. Must be nice.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. I know you were t- making another point, but when did you get to this point where you were allowed to do that? Because, you know, that's a luxury.
7: Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. It's, don't think people around me it doesn't drive them crazy. What? <laughs> it drives them crazy. But um it's just sort of a. I think that it's just one of those things for me personally. I, again, I'm not preaching to other people. But for me personally, I I, ha- I can't do that because I will be on it all day long. Really? It will not stop. And there's just so much going on in, in my world that I don't really want to be a slave to that. It, it it'll it'll just consume my life. And it's nice to be like I think you know it's a, it's an interesting thing. I can give you an example of my kids. We had a, a like a family a car, and the first. We had the same car for the first like seven years that they were growing up. We would take long trips from Nashville to Detroit and stuff like that. You're actual kids. Yes, oh, my uh, kids, payment, yes. childhood. Okay, yes. your kids, my how, kids, how, how old the, old kids, are, kids. They're they're ten and eleven now. Okay, gotcha. Let's say for the first seven years we had this family car, and. Um, this the this car had a DVD player in it that, that we never told them about. <laughs> <laughs> and they would point to this thing in the ceiling, what is that, dad? I'm like, oh, that's just something for the air conditioner. <laughs> 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 and uh, my point wasn't to deprive them of whatever. It was just to like that imagination time where you get to really think and look out the window and just that's the time where you really start to imagine the best things in life. So you're
3: not you know? the dad that let like the little mermaid babysit your kids so that you get oh, some no. silence. <laughs> no, no. They don't have
0: iPads.
7: <laughs> Yo,
3: dude, I admire that shit. Oh. Cause like I'll go to Sunday brunch restaurants and oh, I'll just yeah. see a Everybody's bunch of kids. Hall, yeah. yeah.
7: Plus watching. that
0: requires real fathering. Like that requires you mm-hmm. to pay attention and stuff.
7: And yeah, yeah. It's it's nice to be able to. Well, it's like I remember like working when I whatever all the jobs I've had. The best music ideas I think were me, whatever it was, making a making a, you know a pizza at the restaurant or bussing a table or or working on a piece of furniture. That's when I'm like, oh man, when I get home. That's what, that's what I gotta do. I gotta put a reverb on that a snare drum when I get home. That'll, man, that'll be time to think. That's this time where you have the best ideas, you know. So, uh, if
3: you can, name me five albums from mm. your childhood, mm. like before the age of thirteen, like okay, the the music that defines you, that you hold on to, that you grew up with, not like. You right. know, you heard your brothers playing or whatever, like that you personally gravitated towards.
7: Um, I, I loved a lot of Deep Purple when I was a kid. That was a, that was a big band for me, Richie Blackmore and Ian Pace, what mm-hmm. they were doing. I really loved that. I loved um, Roger Miller. Um, I liked his the, the sort of cross, that cross between country and sort of, I don't know what folk and 40s tunes or whatever, that he that sense of humor he had. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beatles a lot. Beatles White Album. Um, um, I can't think of a Roger Miller name of an album, but maybe just say sort of the, the the catalog of Roger Miller, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you know he's talking about thirteen, fourteen. At that moment, there was a really funny moment that people kind of think is, uh, uh, you know, I'm making it up, but. You know, in in Detroit, in the alleys, we had these giant dumpsters. They were trying to kill the rat problem in Detroit, so they got rid of garbage cans and they put giant dumpsters up. So one of my favorite things to do is, on the way home from school, walk down through the alleys and go through, flip the top of each dumpster and see what was in there. Dumpster diving and trash picking. (laughs) Oh, wow. And um, I found the Stooges' first album on vinyl in in one of those dumpsters. (laughs) And that really changed my life it really it, it was it was kind of uh i went i, I recorded it i, I recorded i want to be your dog on four track because of that and it led me into punk rock in a bigger way really? and um have you
6: and iggy worked together or meddy oh uh, yeah we, we've,
7: we've 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 done a couple tours together and stuff okay, uh, yeah awesome. he's he's incredible and um what was that four yeah oh let's see now um. I, well, probably, you know, anything to do with Led Zeppelin would have been, I, I like Led Zeppelin 1 I think Led Zeppelin 1 You know, someone asked me recently What's the best um, first album of any group uh, And I'm kind of, you think like maybe Jimi Hendrix's first album Ramone's first album But I think Led Zeppelin 1 is pretty tough to top for a debut album Oh yeah so, I mean, awesome. every single track is, you know
3: So did you ever go, because every music stop I know Usually get to that place because sometimes they go so deep in the abyss of the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I I grew up in the era of um, Columbia House uh, where kids ask your parents... we used tape to, you for a penny, yeah, yeah, right. for for a penny. And TV guy, you you tape a penny to that <laughs> to that form. Take penny here, yes. yeah. Take and then penny here. Love you're, the apple. Wow. you're part you're part of a record club. That's like great. that's part of my ratchetness. Like I would sign my grandma. Sign oh man, man. I, yeah. Oh, I, we grandma. all did that. So come on, I, I, I did that scam in college. <laughs> <laughs> that's my worst punishment. Like my grandma got all these. Y'all put them out of business. By the way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Well, I'm just saying that uh, I would also be too lazy to mail, bo- uh, mail back the, uh, the, the, the stuff the I CD didn't want. the month, Yeah, the one in the month. Give so, me. yeah, i just like, all right, well, Debbie Gibson out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, Debbie. Debbie Gibson. <laughs> but then wound up listening to this shit and, like, committed it to memory. Like <laughs>
1: Debbie, change your life.
3: Yeah, so I'm saying like... Yeah, you, I think hey. mine
6: was uh, Kenny G uh, Duo tones.
3: <laughs> no, but black people came for the, on the low. No. You know what I'm saying? Songbird, no, no. they do. No, no.
6: My, no. You, my, my, you, you my mother-in-law law cuts for Kenny G. Black like,
0: people came for... I'll take G Debbie Gibson. Mm.
5: Go, go listen to the first Kenny G album. You'll be surprised.
0: Don't it sound like yeah, Dave that? Yeah, No, even yeah.
5: before the one duotones? Yeah, with and all that on it.
0: Oh yeah,
4: Kenny, um, yeah, yeah. Kenny G. Uh, guys, Jack brother. White is here. Can we talk? About, we're about Kenny G. <laughs> and Jack Wait. ain't saying nothing
0: about Kenny G. We, yeah. we fall down we rabbit <laughs>
4: Nobody over here is saying anything about Kenny G. I'm
3: getting, I'm getting to a point here.
5: Yeah, <laughs> Black people had a love for White people, did too. It's the universal bringer together
3: jolly, of white and black
5: No, but he was ours
3: no. first. Yes. 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 And then Duotones came out, and then like, it okay. Was anyway, a t- it was the tight girls. Julia Roberts soundtrack. So my point is- <laughs> Columbia House Ponzi scheme. Did you ever go through a phase where like, <laughs> Sorry. you know, you just- is there a new kids on the block? Uh, yeah, cassette in your oh, like. But you got for
7: tw- when you were twelve years old or something like. Wow, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of that. Like something sort of like. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't totally out. Because I feel like your-
3: series series musicians and series record people mature once they get out of high school. Once I was out of high school, then and I started messing yeah. with y'all and you know what I mean. Like and then. Your 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 tastes are more refined. But there was a period where I was just open and getting everything. So
7: It's uh, tough, man. I'm trying to think of a time but I definitely had Probably too much of an attitude at, like, you know, 11 through 13 where I liked real musicians. Oh. You know? <laughs> so, like, I I, uh, I I had a chip on my shoulder about that, probably because of being raised by senior citizens and a lot of people in the family really loving music. And, Older you know, people. And, this, you know, by the time the late 80s was hitting, you know, it was... The, that sort of digital soundings, gated reverb kind of sounding stuff was starting to sound kind of fake and stuff. Yeah, I I just gravitated normally to more of the 70s and 60s stuff. I mean, I did like, you know, the Guns N' Roses, and, and I loved Michael Jackson, of course, and lots of things from the 80s. So I think that so no like so no no, no <laughs> <'Cause> you like Poison, no white, no Poison, Because you had to be. I'd love to say I, I I paid I I paid nominal attention to all those bands like Poison, Motley Cruise, and all that kind of stuff, but I, d- I just didn't really buy those records. Now the so.
0: question is, were you having musical debates at this age to your peers because your peers were listening to this music, but you were like, yes. "That's not real music." I
7: can say that one thing that was that did bug me, and I was saying this in an interview recently, was you know when when the first sort of sampling kind of came out and When we're listening to on on the front porches and stuff, where it would be, I think a good example was like the Beastie Boys uh, sampling the Ocean by Led Zeppelin, right. and it would be like the kids in the neighborhood didn't didn't know uh, um, that, that what, where that was from. Mm-hmm. And then it was um, uh, EPMD, uh, I Shot the Sheriff, uh, yeah, and it was sort of like uh, yeah, it was like hey, whoa, whoa, that's, that's you know, and they're like so, call, oh. and I'd be like, what do you mean so? Like you, you know, I think the cool part is that if you know where this from, that's cool but then it was it's just that other debate of no it's just the sound of it it doesn't matter where it came from well that was hard for me as a 12 13 year old to kind of get my head around it took me a few more years to to figure that out
3: but there's some people that also like for me hip hop was crucial and in- Explaining what my dad and my sister's record collection was. Right. So I he needed make sense
6: of it and put
7: it in context. Yeah,
3: like my dad had that. Uh, uh, so your dad what's, would
7: what's, he would tell you where this sample came well, from? No, no, this no. Thing?
3: He he. My family had a large record collection. Yeah. So something I wouldn't. My sister had Houses of the Holy. Sure. Um. Actually, she has Zeppelin One too. So I never knew about when the levee breaks until right. one day I saw. A kid was listening to it at lunch and I was like, Wait, I know that drum break from somewhere. Right, right. And then I put two and two together, like, wait a yeah, minute. Right. The Beastie Boys used it. So in my mind I wasn't I didn't know what sampling technology was or looping and none of that stuff. But
9: mm-hmm. once I
3: got home, then I realized like, oh shit. And then all of a sudden I died in the Led Zeppelin that right. way.
7: So I mean But how did it feel that you knew that information and your friends didn't? Is um does it matter?
3: I you know, as a kid, I thought that everyone was supposed to have this savant knowledge of <laughs> no. who engineered what and, you know, put the headphones on and close your eyes. and Yeah. So just I us, Just, I, I just, just, just yeah. us. Really but, came. you know, I, I,
7: I get it now that not everyone
3: is built that way. All right, we, we And got it's fine,
7: I think. You, know, you like the sound of something. It doesn't matter where it came from in a lot of ways. I, I, always, like, I, I always say if I'm driving in the car and it's my son with me, I'm going to definitely tell him, you know where this is from. This mm-hmm. is this. And, that, and this is how they did that. I, just, I won't be able to help myself. I have to. All
0: right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: you personally um but knowing that you are big on collaborations mm. i mean between all the projects that you've done mm. um i can only guess that you're the point person or the alpha person or the leader of these projects how how do you deal with in collaborative situations mm. like how are you able to not Manage people. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs>
7: impose your will on... I, I love when... My hope is that they, the other person or other people, are going to bring tons to the table and not just sit there and say, tell me what to do or whatever it is. If with what, if it's a bass player or a hired gun, I still want them to bring everything they can to the scenario. And especially if it's somebody else. Like if it's, you know, I think we both... We were talking, we were both played on the uh, Tribe Quest yeah. record. My and then,
3: cut didn't make it... Oh, Damn, you Tip. Oh, oh. Anyway, way to go, Jack. Oh,
10: shut up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Jack.
5: Let that artifact have the tape out. Put the scissors yeah.
3: on. Get out of razor blade.
10: That's Get all right. right. He <laughs> made the video.
0: He's all right. No, no. I mean, it's
3: one thing if you're doing a tribe record where you mm-hmm. know, like, Tip has the pedigree and engineering and all that stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, if. It's just that I know that you know your music IQ is higher than thou, like, everyone else's. But. I also would assume that you would know that you would alienate people if yeah. you just I,
7: I mostly I mostly keep my mouth shut. I think the times where I do say no, 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 there's no way we can do it like that. It just it's just not worth the awkwardness and the the reaction that I'm being a diva or a control freak or something like that. So I'm for ninety five percent of the time I will kind of put up with things that I can't stand. Uh, on on a mixed, oh, no. yeah, out of guilt, you know. Oh, and, no. and it's 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 uh, So if someone just
3: brings a <laughs> Fifty-seven, sure. To the <laughs> session. you're just like <laughs> sure.
7: I don't care. Well, a These great example, a great right example is on this new album. There were definitely keyboard tones. Uh, we had four different uh, keyboardists and you know synth players and keyboard players that were definitely playing tones that I would have never picked in a million years. And I said, "All right, let's let's see if it works. I want to be turned on." And it to didn't something make you new. cringe at all. Like, uh. at first, it would be like, "Mmm." Uh, <laughs> 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 you <know>, oh, wait! Because <laughs> DJ
3: Harrison is also yeah, yeah. how. how wow. however you yeah. found yeah. DJ yeah. Harrison yeah. on this record? Yeah. On his record. Yeah, so okay. Dope. Okay, yeah,
7: he's great, man. And uh, so they would they would they would pick up tones. Some of them I instantly love. Some of them i was like, I don't know about that, but. All of them, by the time we were into mixing the record, I thought all of them were amazing choices. And they turned me on to tones that I would have never picked that would have skipped right over.
6: Yeah, how did you hook up with them? Because you actually, two uh, good homies of mine have played with you. Uh, Daru Jones yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and DJ Harrison. How did you hook up with them?
7: Well, Daru is uh, an amazing, uh, you know, Find for 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 my life because he came in. I produced a forty five with Black Milk, yep. and he brought in Black Milk. We did the forty five in my studio, and then he did a live show at Third Man, and he brought in Daru to play drums live for that. And it was just oh man! I actually said to Black Milk, "Man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this drummer from you." <laughs> <laughs> you know, another half joking, half no. I'm really I'm really gonna steal this <laughs> drummer, but I just couldn't believe he's just so unique and so mm-hmm. incredible. So. That that was a cool uh, uh, scenario, and um, it's also great because um, you know I, everyone in, in when you're in different genres. If you play with people in Nashville who are from the bluegrass scene, they've played with so many other people that they're bringing their knowledge from playing with Bill Monroe or or some uh, you know other cat from 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 back in the day and what they learned from them, and then people who've played with hip hop live. And I think I've talked a lot about. You know, I was you know first impressed when I first see Roots back up, uh, Jay Z or something like that, on a live TV show, or was like playing the playing the samples and the recorded version with live instruments, which um, to me was like that's that's for this album I was working on. That's the musician I want, the musician that can do that. If you can perform live um, on stage, what what's what, what's been recorded as a sample or a loop or Something like that. And and luckily, a lot of those people were, were up for the idea.
6: And then you know. DJ Harrison, how did you guys, how did he? S- you come know, across specifically,
7: on uh, DJ, I can't, I can't remember specifically, but I was definitely going through footage and saying, who's this guy? How about that guy? I thought of uh, the randomness of saying, who's this guy playing keyboards behind Kanye in this clip? Mm-hmm. On who, And okay, can we get him? And who's this person playing bass with uh, Lil Jon or whatever? It would be, uh, or Lil Wayne. It's, it's, it's just like, uh, You know, we'll get to people through these just random picks, and uh, so some of them were there, showed up. Some of them were on tour, couldn't do it. Some of them, oh, I can't do it, but my friend can. Uh, So a lot of stuff would come out of that. Yeah, he's just such
3: a a a hero of ours. Like, a lot we have like a lot of his underground tapes. DJ. Yeah, DJ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah
7: very cool and and so such a humble guy too and really just uh yeah real interesting tones i didn't realize how
6: young he was when we him met. i didn't realize oh yeah, my like, yeah. god
7: dude you're like in your
6: mm.
0: 20s that's great let <laughs> me let me ask a question i guess this goes to you and Amir is it a small collective of those kind of musicians like how small is that collective of like reputable musicians who can do that task
3: yeah. Well see, the thing A <laughs> oh, good man is hard to find <laughs> I don't know okay, yeah. so the thing that i really admire about all the projects that you've done, especially um with uh your non white stripes projects is mm. the the discipline. And a lot mm. of times it's hard for me to um to musicians that sometimes less is more mm-hmm. um that it doesn't always have to be about i'm over here i'm over here because mm-hmm. you know uh, i mean there's complete websites dedicated to how many notes can i squeeze into you know this <laughs> yeah. particular two bar yeah yeah um so for me it's not about the, the quality or the level of the music I'm more into if they're disciplined mm-hmm. if they can keep it in the pocket even though they play the most simple thing in the world mm-hmm. if they could play it consistent
7: See, I and heard you talking song. about uh, what was, what's the drummer's name he played on uh, Billy Jean uh,
3: Oh uh, uh Robinson uh, No in in uh, Dugu Challenge Oh
7: Oh Yeah Leon Yeah, yeah. It's Simple That Just Yeah, phew, phew, yeah. I Mean the It's Like You The, the Second time.
3: You Hear That Snare You Know Exactly What It Is yeah. And It's Just that to me is way harder than you know
1: but that's your mantra too that's always been your mantra how can i sound like a metronome right? but, I that, know, that,
0: <laughs> but that's always what you say but that's bullshit
1: because you work hard to be a metronome
0: and that closes up the 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 gap then because that's like even smaller number of musicians that yeah, are i'm yeah. like about to say them, so. if like for me
3: daru is actually oh god i don't want to say this statement Never mind. Say it. That <laughs> no, means you should no, absolutely have, you you <laughs> <Yeah. by it. laughs> have to
5: me.
1: Someone's got it. a razor blade in the thing. Cut it out. We're good.
5: Yep. No, cutting shit out.
3: <laughs> this <laughs> analog. <laughs> uh, Set up. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> no, it, like he is a cat that I it, that he's my number one thumbs up drummer cat because he just understands the pocket. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know,
7: and he has methodology to what he does. The way he sets up his kit, reverse. I've never seen any drummer. The do first, that. Right. yeah. I was about I to mean, say,
3: I thought yeah. that was something when I first saw him play. Uh, we did a show with you, and I saw his drum. I was like, "Yo, it's just going to fall over." Right. Yeah. And I never once. thought
7: I tried that once. I tried sitting down in this kit. I can't play it. It's just impossible. Yeah. It's that's a very unique thing. He so gets what great is it, tone so to the to He tilts the snare and the floor tom towards the audience. he's hitting. He's hitting like this. In a mirror, like mir- your wrists are bending the other way. You
3: know, like- oh wow. In a mirror speak, he smooth criminal leans the entire <laughs> <laughs> he criminal leans the entire drum set towards the audience.
7: Wow. And, you know, Darw are you okay?
3: That's
7: awesome. Did you know that's Michael Jackson's only patent application? I know oh, this is, right. like I don't a, even know what that means. Patent so he, application? Uh, to lean, he, he did a slit in the uh, the shoe and he would slide into a nail on the floor. What? And that's how they lean. So they they were, their feet were I thought it was name. cameras no oh my god that actually he has it. a patent to it
0: every single dancer is on nails that's crazy
3: yeah <laughs> I'm sorry there's a good blooper uh, it wasn't in Moonwalker. Michael once Michael once fell uh, into it? the audience and it's it's well he laughed like it was like a blooper moment <laughs> <laughs>
7: But because they were on Pro Tools, they had to finish
3: it
7: I want to see something interesting in Michael. I don't know if you guys have seen this clip, but have you ever seen this clip where Slash keeps playing guitar solo and Michael gets mad at him? No. <laughs> oh, black and white. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> I mean, I, that was only—I don't know—the only time I've ever seen Michael getting mad, mad. He's Slash for some reason is pissed about something, and he's—he's he's coming out to do uh, black or white. Right, right. Because the end, of the guitar solo, blah blah blah. And Michael's like, you know, giving smoke and pointing. Right, and, right. right. And, <laughs> and he just doesn't stop. And then Michael starts similar. going like this, folding his arms and looking around like. <laughs> And it's like, why is he doing this? That's when the joke came out. They had to pull him off. And two guys came and pulled Slash off. Really? Where is this? It's on YouTube. YouTube. We'll find it. I'll find it.
3: There's a good one also where uh, it's raining. uh, Like, in Argentina, it's raining and the floor is slippery as hell. But Michael's angry because, like, the guys aren't there. To wipe it down. Like, he's just skating on the – it's like at the beginning, he's skating all over the thing. Uh. But he's looking at them like – make oh, it I stop think, raining I think, I've Never.
5: One. I think I've seen that one and yeah, he's like yeah.
3: passive aggressively like <laughs> just running all over the place like <laughs> and I'm like motherfucker you're in Argentina <laughs> in a monsoon <laughs> on a slippery ass <laughs> stage with an open like with no roof yeah. of
0: <laughs> like cancel the damn show we miss you Mike
3: mm. anyway so okay uh, with I am about to say it's an hour and I didn't even Did get, get to one the the white stripe question stri- <laughs> stri- <laughs> Well played, Jack. Well played. <laughs> Actually, I want to start at the end. Yeah. How do you know when it's time to close a chapter? That's a really great question. I think that's the probably because I still think you guys are going to come back with the record. White stripes, you mean?
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, it, and I think that in order to for me to to move on and and call things under the name Jack White on on my albums. That, that band needed to, to be done so that it wasn't constantly, okay, well, thanks, Jack, but uh, can you get back to yeah. what we wanted you to do or whatever? And that kind of goes with, you know, I've started over several times, started over with the Raconteurs from scratch, started over with the Dead Weather from scratch, started off solo from scratch. So you're not really supposed to do this if you have an act that's working and people are digging in and it's 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 working yeah. out with people. Yeah. So um <laughs> 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 well, I keep doing it but you know I uh, I and I, it's just the way I have I have to move forward and progress. So I, a lot of times I think you know I think Meg was always like yeah I I like finishing up on top where I don't I don't feel any regret about it, not even one song we ever did. And uh that that was kind of nice about that moment too. And um so, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel any uh, urge, urged for that to happen. And I've, you know, I've also talked to people like, you know, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. You know, to, to continue the Led Zeppelin thread, that, you know, I mean, they obviously get asked every day for the last forty, 40 years. Right, right. When's, when's it when going to happen? And the Honey and, Drippers, and, yeah, <laughs> yes. right. come back. Oh, wow. Where the Honey Drippers at?
3: So it's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't want you to have to reveal the smoke and mirrors of whatever you're you're Uh, presentations are Mm. um but for those white stripe records Mm -hmm. were they completely 100 percent a collaborative drum meg jack moment or did you do some songs by yourself i'm only asking because Mm -hmm. my my personal favorite album uh satan yeah and the first time i heard uh the nurse yeah I was just like, yo, like no one has no one's timing this goddamn good. Mm. Except for people that play with themselves. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yes. Damn, thirty people try to view. Well, Prince has a way of doing that. On Dirty Mind, there's a way that he and he answered this question. I was asking like, why did you fluctuate on the title cut Dirty Mind? Mm so much and he's like well you know i I have to give the impression that you know prince the bass player is trying to keep up with prince the drummer and prince the synthesizer player is trying to keep up with the bass player and that so there's there's like a uh there's such a a scientific calculated uh fluctuation beautiful mess of fluctuation Mm -hmm. that i feel that only i've heard stevie do it um I heard Prince do it. Mm. I've heard you do it on some of your solo records, assuming that uh, mm-hmm. the two songs in my head were completely done by you. Mm. But for some of those songs, like even you had to put in 10 hours of rehearsal mm.
8: <laughs>
3: to get those hits correct. Mm. Or like what was, the,
7: what was the process? Was that all you, at least on the nurse? Well, the, the nurse I'm playing, Marimba, and the Meg's playing the drums. And that was done in my living room. We record that in my living room. But all those stabs and it's all Meg. It's yeah.
0: Meg. Why are you yeah. in disbelief? Meg Listen, can do. I
7: this? didn't see that, that. I didn't want to be accused of sexism I'm sorry, to say but that. I had it's to it's to, impossible. No, but but no, no. I hear what you're saying. I think you think on the flip side of that. Yeah, she nailed that song. And then she, you know, it's, it's there was time. Meg's Meg's rhythm is beautiful. It's it's. I think people think I'm dissing her when I say it's childlike. But I think there's that thing about saying. Papa Picasso said, I spent my whole life trying to learn how to paint like a five year old.
8: Yeah, and you say that all the time. She, no, I, get it.
7: she we, I would play white striped songs with other, like, sort of, you know, whatever, proficient drummers. And they perfect it. And it wouldn't sound. It. Right. right. And when she would do it, it was like, that's just, that's it. But she also say something like, uh, on that same album, My Doorbell, the drum beat on that is very jumbly. The timing is squeezed together at times, spread out at times on the drums, and the drum beat's really funky. It's very cool. I remember Jimmy Ivy and you know, I had talked to him. He goes, "Man, that record is a hit." <laughs> and he goes, "But you needed to record it right, or you know, it needs to be recorded properly by somebody." You know, I was like, "Well, tell me what's wrong with you know the way we did it." And I'm, I'm, I know, obviously, there's no pop appeal really to what the way we did it. It's, it's a, it's a very you know.
3: I I you know, when live came out, I was spinning the shit out of that like uh, I thought that was going to be like. Oh, thanks.
7: That moment it felt it felt it felt really cool, and maybe you know I would love someone to cover that song. I think there's some there's some really cool uh, things that, that could happen with it. harmonies and stuff, um, but uh yeah, for example, that that drum beat was really like almost squeezed together uh, forced at times and feeling like that, but it's, it, it just works out. It makes sense you know
0: can you talk about Meg's relationship with the drums? because whenever I read about it, it sounds mm-hmm. like she met the drum, she fell in love with the drum, mm-hmm. and then she just killed it.
7: I think she's just very reluctant and then also got. Picked picked on so much through all the years of you know be everyone saying she's the worst drummer in music and and that really affected Wait, her. Who said that? Oh, it just seemed like every day yeah, every she was hearing that. Every I think a lot of people really? didn't. I, I spent a lot of time sort of defending that because right. and and here's what happened when we were before we when we were first started to get got signed on our third album. She said to me, "So you know, Jack, people out there in the mainstream they don't know." the glories and the velvet underground and this simple kind of drumming style and things, they're not going to understand me and they're not going to get this, this idea. They're just going to think I suck, you know? And I said, you know, there are going to people who who aren't going to understand that. Um, but I don't think it's worth us, you know, we have to go out and push forward and, and just bring that to people, that simplicity. Um, you know, what are you gonna do? Some people are gonna get it, some people aren't. And um I, I it's the same thing to me, you know. I how much how much crap does Charlie Watson and Ringo Star get all these years later? <laughs> I mean, Ringo's insanely good, man. I mean, there's some drum fills that are implanted in my brain that Ringo's done. And because he's not John Bonham or or Neil Peart or something, I don't under I don't understand that kind of I
3: didn't realize yeah. he was catching hell. Because, like oh, for yeah. me Well, that's good dumb. to hear. Yeah. For me, um uh just uh Greg Senier, the drummer of uh, Deerhoof,
5: mm.
3: and Meg are like definitely my two. Like mm. I've stalked you guys millions of times and like yeah in concert, mm. but I never
7: thought that that was that was the rep. I part. thought she's very. I think she was the kind of person to make people want to start playing. I the was drums, about to you
0: know? is it true that yeah. she really fell in? Like it, she learned very easily and mastered it. That's yeah, very because easily. our early
7: White Stripes recordings were just those stabs, just poof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and uh, it was like that. I think the first thing we did was David Bowie's, um, she wanted to record a, 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 what's the song? I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa coming for you. Rock and roll, suicide. Uh, Yeah, it's on um, Ziggy. Um, Sorry, the name's escaping me. But we we did that um, song first, and it was just, that was the beginning of our sound, was that, oh, just these stabs, bam. And um, we thought, wow, let's keep going with this. And it, it turned into a whole thing. It uh, changed my whole outlook on music completely. It just brought it down to a minimalism, and then it was a great, great outlet to do the blues and not be that sort of Stratocaster sort of white boy blues at the time, which was very sort of uh, super super uncool. So, with you, were all you the conscious of that? Garage rock, and you know, were you, you that,
3: conscious of that? To yeah, I, I think to so. To not get pigeonholed into
7: you know, the blues had become that kind of you know that stratocastery really clean slick thing at that at that moment uh, through the 90s and it was a little bit like a bar band a little bit of an embarrassing thing too but it's also at the same time we wanted to do the raw getting down to the real nitty-gritty of it the the lightning hopkins and uh you know a hound dog taylor and, and those kind of things and, and figure out a way we could get away with it you know and the, the, a lot of the things to do with the white shows the red white and black color scheme and the, the way we presented it like children was a great way for us to get away with it is
1: that how you found your personal voice because your mm. speaking voice is relatively low mm. and all of your vocal deliveries are super high and super in that stratosphere which yeah. sort of comes from a blues place but it's interesting just listening yeah to you talk.
7: I, I don't know that was a natural thing that that really high stuff and um I know there was one song when I had my upholstery stopped that I loved. It was the uh, Beatles BBC Sessions and it was um, the Beatles' Hippie Hippie Shake, their cover of Hippie Hippie Shake. And when it starts off with Paul McCartney, you know, I won't do it now to blow out the mic, but <laughs> for goodness sake, mm-hmm. just super high. Shake it to the left, shake it to the right, all of your might and shake. And you just go even higher than the highest note you did before. That I started to get really into that. Um, so... Yeah, now um, it gets it gets wilder. I think there's some stuff on the new album where I'm I'm really squealing up in some some two octaves above where I normally sing. It's just getting up in some wilder stuff.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: your weapon of choice i know, I know that mm. you have an array of of, of guitars and a, a collection from heaven mm. but your i can't die without it is it the the K hollow body or is it is it
7: there's um i have this army and navy uh, Gibson acoustic now that I, I got a few years ago that's now become like that's my favorite guitar it's real it's from 1917 they built it for they made these for supposedly for world war 1 soldiers and as soon as they finally got the guitar into production, the war was over. So, <laughs> so there's not very many of them. <laughs> They're like this scaled down, stripped down version of an L one, like Robert Johnson would have used. So it's really, really soft, and and the the neck is like a baseball bat, and it's just, uh, it just, it fits me perfectly.
3: Mm. So for you, uh, the instrument also has to have a a, a specific tone. I don't. Mm. It's weird for me because. Back when I didn't have a choice, when, like, we would have to play in shitty uh, uh, studios, mm. um, like, my first drum set is some out of, like, Alex Van Halen's Nightmare, mm. like, it's like some... <laughs> Tama, Ooh. like power stroke, you know, like it's straight mm. heavy metal. Like, roto toms, yeah, like all
1: roto-toms, of organic organics. Double is, kick drum.
7: Yeah. No, I'm serious. Like uh-huh. all of gong. <laughs> all. Well, that's you know, maybe that goes back to like the what's the record, the the you know the the, the boy band record. At, oh, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. that, you, maybe maybe in, I went through that same period too, which is like you, you kind of get into maybe two kick drums, maybe roto toms, maybe seventeen toms, and <laughs> I, you you, you kind of have to go through that moment and get well, that out of your system. My
3: point was that. Um at the time like I, w- I was bitching I was like yo like I can't I can't do no break beats on a you know a, a, a triple kick drum tama <laughs> and the and bass s- drum's
1: like this big right? <laughs>
3: yes it was it was uh, serious everything you're describing is what I did my first record on and then my engineer was like dude it doesn't matter because only thing that matters is how we translate it in the mixing board mm-hmm. and once I realized like oh I can manipulate this to sound any way I want to I mean it's mm-hmm smoke and mirrors a, a lot but it's in the engineering so i mean does it truly matter if you know if you have a, a particular you know gibson or strat or this
7: mm-hmm. did you
3: have a montgomery ward uh
7: yeah i mean for the most part was it montgomery ward yeah. lines and silver tones and the really cheap auto-tune hard to work with guitars up until this album right now where i wanted to use the easiest guitar i could possibly play so I'm playing this Eddie Van Halen's Wolfgang that he designed for all this playing touring. And it's and it's just I I've never played a guitar tire this easy to play. It's crazy. I I don't it it's it's one of those things where what do you do? You you know, when you get a first class ticket on a plane, do you can you ever go back? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, do you
3: have do you have a fear of once you sort of dabble and dip your toe into all right, let me see what garage band is about sure. <laughs> or get this particular new shiny drum set or guitar whatever yeah, yeah. that you might slip into a rabbit hole you can't fall out of
7: yeah i think i i definitely i'm I'm sure you know i'm i'm definitely what you were saying before right? from the discipline sort of side of things where I can dabble and 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 get something out of it, but then return to what I think feels more soulful and more makes more sense for what i trying to accomplish. I'll, love, I'll sit around and play with a, a synthesizer for hours knowing full well that I'm never going to use this thing live or mm-hmm. something like that. You know? But uh, sometimes it does. You know, like when we did Iggy Thump, I, I was trying to yeah, I awesome. used this instrument that, that Beals used on Baby You're a Rich Man, this clavioline, the very first synthesizer. And that became a thing uh, I took on stage and that turned into a Moog Little Fatty and then I started to you know learn more about that. And that's now become a, a, a big instrument for me, is that, that Moog
3: so when you're making decisions on what instruments and in, to use and to play, um, do you have a judge and jury in your head? So, okay, say if I presented to you uh the first edition of a Yamaha D X seven from like nineteen eighty six. Like right. this horrible Richard Marks patches. Sure. <laughs> You're turning purple already. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Start playing the electric piano patch yeah. No, but it's it's like uh if if presented with that, mm. I mean oh my god. You just ever have a moment where you just fucking forget your question. Oh yeah, <laughs> are, all the time. Could, I, could I make it dream. work?
7: Were you trying to say that could I make well, it work? Or? I think
3: I was gonna go there, but yeah. there was a reason why Don't I, I a a DX No, whatever. <laughs> But I mean, could you?
7: I mean, could you make it work? Or well, there's that line from uh, what's that line? I think John Lennon said something about you know I'm an artist. If you give me a tube and I'll fucking make some sounds come out of it. You, you know that uh, that that's your job as an artist. That when handed the scenario, which I think that I've done a lot in the in the past, which is to set up the scenario of here's where we're gonna be, here's what people are gonna be in the room, and here's how long we're gonna be here. That's it. As far as what the music sounds like, I don't care what it's going to come out like. If it comes out soulful, comes out punk, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I've set up the scenario, and like I said, some of the keyboard choices, some of those tones, to me at first was like, wow, okay. And then later on I'm like, okay, yeah, now I get it. That really does work. That really does work. And I don't remember emitting any of them while we were mixing the album.
3: So part two of that question is, are you afraid that snobs like us Mm. will be... Cool, man. Everyone uses the da 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 Like, I can instantly yeah. tell that there's a da-da-da app that he used on, you Sure.
7: Know. I, I'm a big fan of not noticing uh, production, which is it's hard for me to, like, when I hear, like, oh, they put that uh, Eventide reverb on that vocal. I, I hear that. I hear that. When I don't hear it, when I just hear the music, I don't even notice the production. I really love that. That feels good to me.
3: But like, can you? But can you even enjoy an album without getting into... It's hard for me to do that, like, I'm mm. it, um, analytical and sure. trying to yeah. figure out what they...
7: That's my hope. My hope is to first just love it love it, and listen to it, and maybe 10 listens down, start thinking, Wow, how did they get that drum sound? That That's, uh, I was just thinking about that uh, yesterday in the car. We were listening to uh, Let's Go Crazy, uh, gu- guitar solo, and it was sort of like, you know, I never thought about it. What was he using? An octave pedal on this? I never heard this solo a thousand times uh just saw it i don't know i'm I kind of want to go look that up now
1: but can you talk about your evolution of of thinking of that because until thursday because I, <laughs> I didn't say that because i think like with the early white stripes record it was just like two people in a room mm-hmm. press record and go whereas this this last album feels like yeah to me the opposite that, yeah. that you did put it into pro tools and you did cut it you did mm-hmm. smush it around because and then that and that seems not antithetical to what you're saying but like mm-hmm. like an evolution and even like the and let's say that the white stripes early records seem super riffy to me and super yeah. hooky the middle of your career to really put it bluntly like the mm. dead weather racket tour stuff is a is a different thing moving yeah. more towards rock and then this feels that's the hope yeah right but but what was like your songwriting process during those whole things because it feels like a definite crescendo and or move yeah oh well, it's
7: it's it's a definite move and and i use a, a lot of techniques i've never used before i recorded in a in a i rented an apartment where i i used the same equipment i had when i was a teenager the same reel to reel Uh, By myself, no amps, no drums. So I was singing along with a drum machine, um, writing the songs, writing the melody of the song without any musical accompaniment. So a lot of these songs started as just a vocal melody, and then everything was added later. And then took it to New York and L.A. and played with people I've never met before. And with three days only in each studio, let's hurry up and figure something out. Um, And then recording all that to tape and then dumping it to Pro Tools and editing in Pro Tools for months. I had something I'd never done before either.
3: So you put yourself on a
7: time limit. Yeah, for each city. Yeah, three days in each city. Why do that? Because I I wanted the energy of... Uh, I, I didn't tell them as... I told them as late as possible before we did it so that the energy is, holy shit, what are we doing? And then nobody knows each other, so you have that great energy in the room of everyone's scared a little bit and they also want to impress each other, so you get that great energy... That's totally different if I would have said two weeks ahead of time, okay, guys, here's the demo for the song. Learn this part, learn that part. See you on Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and then we'll have Just lunch at can, 4. It's rehearsed. You know, this, yeah, they then they've, got, they've, they've prepared it. They've yeah. figured it all out. But to walk in the room and nobody knows what, what's going to happen, that's a way, way more interesting thing. You know, that's interesting that's a Miles Davis that's a producer should, move. Yeah. That's, yeah. Something, think,
4: that's something that happened in this room with with D and you guys. Mm. All that, well, all the millions of hours of, of oh, jam. yeah, D is
0: D'Angelo, everybody. Yeah, we recorded
3: voodoo in, in this room. Who were mm. the players on this uh, new record? Who were some of the players?
7: We got Neil Evans and DJ Harris. Uh, he's in New York. he uh, was a monster. Charlotte Kemp Mull on bass, who plays with uh, uh Ghost of the Sabre tooth Tiger, Sean Lennon's band. Oh, okay. She has her own band, I think it's called Uni. And then, uh, the drummer uh, was Louis Cato on this session i could ask q-tip who the who he who thought was good in new york to, to grab and he said lewis and then um i and then in la we had uh, carla azar on drums who uh i brought one person i knew there as a you know, sort of anchor like okay I, i've got one person i work with and i know everyone else is gonna be strangers and we got brew um what's his name brewster brew um i forgot his last name uh, on keys as well as quincy mccrary and then we had um, El Nino from uh, Ozo Motley on percussion. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bobby Allende on, on uh, congas in, in New York, too. I forgot that. Who mixed uh, this album? I mixed it with Josh Smith, my engineer, in, in Nashville. We uh, did it on Pro Tools, uh, the, the editing, and then we tr- mixed it through my Neve console. So, Okay. Yeah.
3: Um, I want to uh, also talk about other projects you worked on. Mm. Um. You produce Van Leer Rose. Yes. I want to know... Well, and also uh, Wanda Jack- Jackson's uh, album as well. Mm. How do you... How do you... When you're, when you're working with someone that's obviously not in your generation... Yeah. And... Mm. How do you... Because, again, you... Well, Fonte mentioned earlier that you have to manage people. Oh, yeah. So... Having been in her presence a few times, mm. how did you get that album achieved? And
7: it's tough. I mean, every every person is different, obviously. But I've I've definitely done my time with many oct- octogenarians. <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> uh, but but uh, it's uh, Loretta was just great because she's just so funny and and so talented. And I, it would be line by line a lot of it. She rushes. She starts singing the next line before it's time, mm-hmm. before we've gotten to that moment. And I said, okay, we, we you, you gotta put that pause in there. And she goes, Jack, I've been doing this since my first record. I, I'm I'm famous for this. They used to make fun of me back in the 60s about this. I, I rush, and she does. She rushes on live on stage. The band has to jump to the next verse because uh, she just runs to the next line. So we'd have wow. to do it, and we did it on tape, so we had to do it line by line, a lot of that stuff, because we couldn't edit it later. And you didn't use Pro Tools? No, that was on a track I always wanted yeah. to know if wow. you... Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> yeah.
3: So the patience factor was high. Oh, yeah. Very patient. Yeah. You know what? One, one of my favorite... I'm about to say, one of my favorite joins was... <laughs> 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 uh, uh, how did you get her to do... Is it Little Red Shoes? Yeah, yeah. Where she told the story and
7: yeah, she was just telling us that story in between takes, and I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, don't don't finish, you know? Let's roll tape real quick, and she she went back and, and rolled tape. She added music afterwards. I I added the music later and edited that together back in Detroit. At okay. Brendan's studio.
3: Because in my head, I'm like, yo, how in the world did he manage to... Oh, man, that
7: would have been a nightmare. Did a perfect... Yeah. yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, like, there's no she way... She actually to- tried to do it. She actually tried to Live. tell the story along with the music, but the story kept going. The song had ended long ago, and she had five more minutes of story to tell. So that took a lot of time to edit that down into making it work, but it was, it was very cool. She got the idea. She thought it was a very cool idea.
3: Oh, okay. Um, when you... Uh, you also did a, a Bond song. Um, yes. Yeah. With uh, Alicia, what movie was it for?
7: Ah, uh, Quantum of Sila. Quantum, Quantum oh. of Solace. Of Solace. Oh. Mm-hmm. So,
3: is is it is it a caricature? Is it an, <laughs> <Curricature>. <laughs> <Okay. Quantum laughs> is it an honor to be asked, you know, to do the the iconic Bond song? Oh, that Yeah. That
7: that that is that was an insane honor. It was also I knew I was entering sort of like you know, like doing something for Star Wars or Star Trek <laughs> yeah. or something. you enter in this franchise, you're entering a world of of pain because, you know, this is a whole 50 years of fans who are, are very scratchy about anything to do with their beloved characters. So you have to be careful. But the reason I got that gig was because Amy Winehouse wouldn't show up to wow. the recording sessions. They were going to do, I think it was, I don't know what it was. I guess it was Amy Winehouse and someone else. Probably was a more, duet. Oh, okay. And because she wasn't showing up, they asked if I would do it and what about me doing a duet? And I said, yeah, and uh, I offered the idea of Alicia Keys. And they said, okay, and they just didn't have much time. So I thought, oh, this is good. good now, yeah. I'm gonna get to do some shit that they would never <laughs> let me do if they had given me a year uh-huh. right. uh, to, to work on this. So it was super complex. Uh, I, I, I recommend to people to listen to just the instrumental of that song because it's really, really bizarre um, changes that that go on in that, and that was a drum-based thing. And uh, Alicia came into to Nashville and, and did her thing with it. and um, But it's very divisive. I think it was the first time I had to put out a song. It was divisive. And people just loved it or hated it. And the, and the one time I got to hang out with Prince, um, he was um, at this club and uh, walked over and sat down. And he said, um, um, well, I, re- I really love that James Bond thing you did. I said, oh, it was, it was right at the time it had just come out. I said, oh, thanks for saying that because a lot of people hate it. And he goes, really? <laughs> I thought it was real strong. Why Alicia
0: Keys? Because you said that was the first person that you thought oh, for yeah. that. I who's just left?
7: thought her voice would just be like, who's left? You know, like the, uh, just, the soaring thing, and she she did a lot of that kind of just yeah, those soaring did. vocals. You know?
6: How many did they make you do? Several different drafts of that song before you they finally. They did. It? They
7: came back to me. and They wanted me to put a power ballad in the middle of the song, and they wanted it. They wanted me to try again on something else, but I knew they were running out of time, so it's like mm, <laughs> kind of yeah, living well, Maybe diet, like, I'll I'll try, but <laughs> y'all what? need this shit by Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: was it like the most creative, most hands in your creative process ever?
7: Yeah, it was definitely, wow, if this had been, if we had started this six months ago, I probably would have dropped out because it would have just been, okay, guys, just get somebody else. I'm not your guy, you know? Well, okay. It was one of those well, funny moments. You know
3: something I always wanted to ask? Mm. Okay, so last time I did a show with you, mm. you do this very unique thing where none of your, okay, so he travels with, I don't know if you still do this, mm. but two bands, yeah. an all-male band. yeah. All female band. Yeah, right? I did that, yeah. and they all get dressed to the nines, and then about forty five minutes into showtime, they're told which band's going to be his band tonight.
0: What? <laughs> what in the rich? Yo, man? <laughs> <me>. <laughs> but what? I,
3: the
1: roots should do that. I think <laughs> we still <laughs> do that. <laughs> I know, I think we <laughs> <you> do
3: <that. laughs> Yeah, I'm not coming today. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, you just go. sunray angry up there, Um but. One, I mean, I, I never, I'm never gonna ask you why you do things because you are who you are, and that's why. So, but do they feel some sort of way? Like, okay, oh, if they're in, if they're oh, in yeah. LA, you have an
7: hour. I'll give you, I'll give you all the, uh, the reactions it it will you an hour to explain them. Yeah, all. I was gonna <laughs> say
3: like because the first time I did it, ah oh, man, rest in peace to Ike.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Ike was telling me like, yo, I might come to your jam session, but I gotta wait for a word. Yeah, that's a word on what? <laughs> He's like, I don't know if I'm going to play with Jack tonight. I said, like, I thought you were his keyboard
7: player. And then he explained to me the system that he might, and
3: it just happened to be the night that you chose, are they the
7: peacocks? Yeah, the girls were the peacocks and the the, boy, the boys were the buzzards. Yeah. Right, what? so <laughs> you chose
3: the peacocks. And he was yeah. like, all right,
7: great, I'm off. Yeah. And then he came to our gig. Right and but this was this was for two albums ago and ike was the first person to positively love it and uh, respond to it at least to to my face but uh (laughs) (laughs) so he uh i i had had gathered them together and said you know i had a group meeting. like here's what's going to happen i want to have an all-male band and an all-female band and the reason why is i want people to not know who's going to play with me that night and i want them to react and say um You know, it would be almost like I'm trying to think of a way to do it. Like if I had a band of all 80-year-old people and a band of all teenagers, Mm -hmm. a way for them to directly know this is a different band. So if it was a mixed together band, maybe a lot of people wouldn't pay attention, wouldn't say, was that the same band that played in Cleveland yesterday? So this was a definite way for them to know, oh, no, this is a different band completely. So that was... The one way to do it. And also to mess with the preconceptions that people have about female musicians too, which, you know, I think don't kind of ridiculously in this day and age still kind of is treated like a novelty. Right. Like, oh, isn't that cute? You play For a girl. You play fiddle or you play uh, you know steel guitar. So I sat them all down and said, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna go on tour and there's uh, at breakfast. I'm going to decide who's playing that night. It's going to have absolutely nothing to do with what you did last night. It's not a competition, you know. But here's the great thing. You get paid either way. Wow. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a day off when you didn't know it, so it's going to be a nice surprise. Or you get to play that night. And sometimes we're going to do two nights in a row, three nights in a row. And you can't get your feelings hurt. Wait. Was there
3: there a night where it was like the peacocks at like six nights in a row? I think
7: three was the most. And there was (laughs) definitely times where – people were sort of uh, they felt some sort of way I yeah. think it was the one sign where they actually spoke up and we had to I, 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 I conceded was I wanted them to come out in New York and I wanted the male band to come out and play one note and leave <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with that that is cool <laughs>
3: that's cool
5: I think that's cool
7: they were insulted <laughs> yeah, that's pretty they, they get
5: paid yeah, for the I was whole say, show oh, what
3: about but got, what about yeah cause it's nice when like my parents
7: are coming to see oh. uh, you yeah. play with, oh, it was that kind of thing it was uh, uh, our friends are here. It's New York, and uh, if if we're doing it, we're, we got to do it. It was that kind of thing. I was like, "All right, I'll, I'll concede. I understand." You know, and you know, the idea was it was to fake out, to fake the crowd out. You
3: and know? Carla was also
7: uh, your drummer. She was the girl in the girl band, yeah.
3: Right. So the, the thing is, is if you make the decision two hours before showtime, mm-hmm. then does she have to adjust Daru's drum set?
7: It's
1: for at breakfast.
3: So bre- oh day. yeah, so
7: yeah, breakfast and then. Uh, then oh the well, dessert. one
3: of these nights the decision was made two oh. hours before. Okay, so no, no, normally that,
7: you're right. There were no, there were times you you might have been at that. There were times where okay, um, the 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 a lot of times the, the all the musicians would come and watch the show anyway, they, which was great. <laughs> there was like a real family. They were. Really, right. Wanted to see, and they also wanted to see what we were doing, because we were doing different versions of the same song with two different bands, which okay. is, oh, okay. so it. I was rehearsing in Nashville in one Shh. studio, and then I would drive across town to this other studio and rehearse with them, and try to come up with a whole different arrangement for that, same oh, cool. song.
0: And you never put them together, they never got to...
7: We did, uh, when we went, Portland, Oregon from the Van La Rose, album. when we played Portland, we did the whole band together, all oh, wow. boys and girls together, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a guy
3: like me, like, I could see right now if I was, like, playing Madden on the tour bus, and... Maybe one of the Hmm. dudes kicked my ass, and I'd be like, all right, whatever. Girls tonight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just ruined it. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb.
10: Their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers
9: Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Guys documentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, like do you know what it might get loud? So what is it called? It has a great It neck. might get I mean, loud. loud. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my favorite scene is you're in a room with Edge. It's like a room like this with Edge and Jimmy Page and you. Mm-hmm. And, and Jimmy Page lights into cashmere. And the best fucking part of this film is it then pans over to you. And I just want to know what you were thinking because you just look like... Oh, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, whatever. Love. It was something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. you were just like, holy shit, I'm in a room. Like, this is happening. It just... I thought there was such a genuine reaction, but B roll. Talk about B roll. It was that was like a legit B roll. It was because
7: it was it was a surprise moment because he had. I often joke and say, well, people a lot of people don't realize it was because the dessert cart was, was standing right behind him. <laughs> <me." laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was actually a surprise moment. We were just talking and nobody had said anything about anything about playing at that moment. We were just talking like this, and he just stood up and plugged in and just started playing a whole lot of love. It was like whoa, yeah. Whoa. Wow. Wow, <laughs> but the director sent me that clip and I'm like. Damn, man! You caught me not being cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it was I'm so gonna, real. I'm gonna, the people are going to be talking about that for the rest of my life. And oh. like, I was like, "All right, let it go ahead. Put it in the movie." It and was like, so no. real. A real if if well, it was just real. It feels good. You I got was, excited. It was, you know, it was, I, it, it was genuinely that. This is just beautiful. It just. It was incredible. When it was, to,
3: when it was pitched to you, you didn't have any reservations of like, because to me, it's almost mm-hmm. like summit meetings like that had. They have the tendency to turn on their face Uh, there's there's the infamous uh you ever heard of a toot and a snort (laughs) Uh, what are you talking about amir not in that way you know about it no okay so a toot toot and a snort is um there's the worst the worst piece of shit ever it's a record on paper it's awesome yeah uh so john lennon is producing harry Nilsson, and stevie wonder also happens to be working on fulfilling this first finale down the hall and Paul McCartney happens to be in doing something in the C room. And so I guess during like a dinner break, they all decided to get together and let's just have a jam. So this will be the, the last note of time that Lennon McCartney on the studio together. So Stevie's on drums. I think so, yeah. Stevie's on drums. Uh, Nielsen's on guitar. Uh, McCartney's on bass. And I think also uh, Lennon's on guitar. Mm. And again... Stevie Wonder, I get it. It's like a John Lennon, <laughs> Paul McCartney band. Ever. Hey, well, I knew what was
6: wrong when you said Stevie no, on drums. Stevie's,
1: Stevie's, Stevie's,
5: Stevie's, I was like, "That's where you went wrong, right Stevie's there." Stevie on keys. Pro- Paul was on was drums. Was it the
3: Beatles oh, P- 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 or, P- or P- the P- Peacocks? P- okay, yeah, Paul was on drums. And they struggled through "Stand By Me" for like forty-five minutes. Oh, <laughs> oh God! And it's like a bunch of five-year-olds are playing it. Like it's the worst piece of shit ever. And it's called a toot and a snort because at one point I think Lennon offers. Uh goes to Stevie and says, you wanna toot? A snort? You know That no. sort of thing No man <laughs> Oh shit <geez>. That's <laughs> But it's You would think that You know The summit meeting Of the gods Would result in You know Some sort of Million dollar mm-hmm. Sun record session shit yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Nope mm-hmm. Nope Sometimes piece the shit cameras
7: shit In the room are, are what ruins it too uh, Not people this time are like, no. Yeah man <laughs> <That time laughs> It's like, Speaking of which
3: Everyone Okay so we got cameras In this room Yeah
7: Everyone Can we just say
3: Yes one second Like not yes yeah. To oh, the yeah. B yeah. B yeah. cameras yeah. Okay yeah. can we all Just laugh right now Stop
5: okay. right, we're good.
3: Steve's gone. We got it. Steve's gone. Steve's yeah. with sugar. Yeah, he's uh-huh. his I bet you, Steve is literally on his
6: <laughs> IG right now. So your regular like third man, you guys actually, you're a plant. Y'all press records. Yeah. What is the lead time on y'all stuff? Because I might actually need to press. Some records. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> we try to be as fast as possible. Like one of the one of the holdups is plating a record. You know, getting okay. it getting the metal plates made. That usually is the is the one thing that stalls a project um, the most. Because once you have the masters in the room and you can just kind of start whipping whipping them out, uh, as long as the test pressings are sound like, properly you you so there's there's some stumbling things if test person come back and there's a there's a skip and then and you got to start over again get a new plate made okay. so that that can be a, but but usually it's pretty can be pretty fast a few weeks does,
3: does the various uh awkward are oh, mm.
7: caricature me in
3: words today. Mm. uh mm. does the, the various uh, options of artwork that you do to your vinyl like mm. uh, uh, you once had uh, uh an angel appear, a hologram a yeah. hologram angel on <laughs> your yeah like does that affect the sound at all
7: uh some of those things do number one if you uh, the reason why black vinyl is became the normal color for vinyl is because it's the best sounding color uh the best sounding substrate uh, well not substrate but the best sounding material um when you use colored vinyl like red or blue or anything like that you do uh, lose lose sound quality wow. so that's why black became the standard that's right <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say some shit You
3: uh, knew that was coming Right on time I knew <laughs> it was coming Let yeah, me so. <laughs> play it uh, It's going to take a while
5: Black-a-dee Show it Thank you <laughs> 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 right.
0: Okay
3: uh, Any final questions before I wrap
0: this I, I up? I got
4: one or two. Oh yes. my god um, So as Amir stated earlier We're in Electric Lady Studios here yeah. in New York uh, I know you've been here before Have you ever recorded here?
7: The White Stripes put on a concert here. That was the only time I've ever recorded here, and we actually re- released it. It was we did a version of our song "Ball and Biscuit." We did like a ten minute version of it. I think we released it on a, a twelve inch uh, vinyl uh, at the time, um, and that was great show. That was the only time I'd ever been before.
4: Any future desire to do a, a record here or anything? No, like well, I would
7: love to. I really love to. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm only
4: asking, uh, Laia. Yeah, I didn't. Who's cracking up right now? I for, am. We gonna, don't know why. To, to um, it, because of the legacy, obviously Jimi Hendrix and so yeah. forth, fight, and, and everybody fight, else fight. who's um, who's recorded here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and plus, uh, it's almost fifty years old and. Yeah, you know, recording
7: this new album at Sears Sound it, when we came to New York, that was the first time I've ever recorded in New York City. So uh, I have never recorded in New York and L.A. and anything. I did one little thing with Keith Richards here once and one little thing for Cold Mountain in L.A., and that was the only time I ever recorded in those the big cities. I always kind of was scared to to come to New York and L.A. to record. Like, it was too much going on, too claustrophobic. Um. So I thought, well, that was another way to, in this album, to to break out of some things I I'd never done before was to do that. Um,
4: I guess an unrelated question, but um, how do you uh, are you a fan of the Daptone Records label? Yeah,
7: they're doing great, great work, great work.
4: For yeah. those who don't know, they do a lot of vintage sounding recordings mm-hmm. and use eight track. Yeah, like, uh, recording. But you know,
7: technology. it's also what's what's good about it though is the marriage of trying to find what's soulful on anything. If it's an amplifier, if it's equipment. You know, uh, it's not just the idea of using it because it's old or because it's novelty or something like that. It's about finding what's the best sound for whatever you're trying to do. I mean, if you're using, you know, I saw Stevie Wonder one time we played, and his clavinet broke. You know, it's like, that's amazing that he's using a real clav. He doesn't have to use a real clav. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It's nice to see that he is, and, and, and you know the difference between a, a clav emulation and a real clav. It's, it's, it, there's two different things. Not to say you can't use a clav setting on a keyboard and blow my mind. You know, I you know I think we did on this album. I think we used a fake clav on some song, and um, it was it was it sounds amazing. Uh, it's just about what what works for you, and you know what if you what I like to do is marry the best from the future and the and the past together, and find some some kind of synthesis between that. And that way you get somewhere new with it. I'm I'm always trying to get somewhere new. You know. Regardless of how what, what the what microphone and what amp is in there,
1: Bill, I'm good, man. If shit, yeah, we that was good. good I, I, I got, got questions. We got to, close. that was a great way to close, yeah, yeah. Like, Jack.
0: Yeah.
3: Gotta go,
0: <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, do you have I a mean, last How many hand <laughs> signals I got to give, y'all?
3: <laughs> oh. Anyway, <laughs> they in the control room, We know already, <laughs> I'm, he kind of a big deal, so you know, anyway. So, Jack, we want
0: to thank you,
7: we want to thank you for coming to the show. Thank you so much. I mean, gotta tell you. Yeah. incredibly interesting and intelligent questions you guys oh, thank are, you really, really did your homework and everything I'm just impressed no nah, we're fans amazing no, thank this you is, so much. This is, you obviously really love music and that's I love to hear that thank we you. are music
3: nerds mm. um, so uh, before I sign off I just want to remind you listeners yeah I'm doing my we gotta pay Flow. bills <laughs> uh, my fourth book okay. from Harper Collins comes out uh, you can get it right now as this recording it's called Creative Quest it's a book or a manual guide uh, to creativity if oh to, that's such a horrible so, uh, yeah.
0: Stay tuned for the audio book. I'm I'm
3: excited. Actually, yeah, the audiobooks and <laughs> yeah. shit. I uh after hearing Jennifer Lewis's audiobook <laughs> oh, I God. went and redid my entire audiobook over again and it's fully there's a soundtrack to it. There's Vignettes. There's acting. It's oh, awesome. It's on point. It's yeah, creative. It sounds like a black creative. play. It is. It is <laughs> with Richard Dimblefield as Questlove. <laughs> anyway, uh, when we have a Fonticolo, unpaid bill, boss Bill, Sugar Steve, star of Chat with Sugar. Yeah, Jack. check <laughs> <guy laughs> out my show, man. <laughs> it's like yeah. We should. Get, we gotta get Jack on. Yo, when you when you come to Fallon uh, in the future, we gotta get you on. Chat I was with kidding. I was no, kidding. I'm we just for three minutes. Three okay, minutes we'll do it. Chat with Sugar. <laughs> you and Jack White. Uh, Jack, thank you very much. Thank you. This wow, is Questlove. Thank We'll you, see Dad. you on the next go-round yep. on Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. Thank you. <laughs> Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora.